Welcome to Justice Losers, the most unqualified podcast talking entertainment, news, and reviews. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host, Batman. Matt, what should people do? Like, subscribe, and tell a friend. That was the most fluent introduction I've ever done in season five. Yep. Matt, what you been up to? Oh, that's some things. Some things. Some You've stuff, been doing actually. Some stuff. I've also been doing some stuff. Yeah, a little bit. Let's get into it. What you been doing? Um, well, a little bit of just more of the continuing reading Lord of the Rings, continuing right. watching Mr. Robot. Um, about halfway through season two and still remembering things. So okay. I, I don't remember exactly how far I got before, but I think I started season three. Oh, okay. You just started season one. You did like the first episode in the last episode or the last yep. time. Yeah, man. Okay. So, uh, talk about season one. Uh, season one's good. Uh, it has its limitations. I think it, I mean, it's a USA network show, right? But it does a lot of cool stuff. Um, so, in case you didn't listen last week, or just you want to know, Mister Robot, there's uh, there's this guy Elliot, and he's a uh, he's a hacker. He's got social anxiety and depression out the wazoo, and he's just a a mess, a wreck mentally. Um, and he is a, a cybersecurity engineer by day and a vigilante hacker by night, taking down the bad guys one VPN at a time. Yes. Um, and he's approached by the mysterious Mr. Robot, played by Christian Slater. I must point out, Elliot is played by Rami Malek, yep. um, who you might recognize as that random kid in the church group at Gilmore Girls in yeah. that one random episode. That's the uh, for... only role he's ever done. Yes, that. He'd make a pretty good Bond villain, though. Yeah, I feel like he'd also pull off a uh, a good freddie mercury biopic oh you know i i could i could totally see it They're really good yeah We're um that, that was a bad bit yeah. and i i regret having done it <laughs> <laughs> nonetheless i shall not formally apologize uh but Rami malik uh, elliot's elliot is approached by mysterious mr robot played by christian slater um to join the mysterious f society hacker group to take down the the evil e corp society basically <laughs> uh take down e corp which is the global conglomerate that controls everything yep. um it's been compared to the matrix in the sense that it's about like the sort of the hidden world underneath the regular world and there's also computers um <laughs> really that's that's <laughs> that about is... where the fair point of comparison yeah. stops it's yep. it's very light on the action it's very heavy on the um Elliot talking to himself and are there any of those like really bad hacking moments that like there was an NCIS when like Abby and McGee are like just typing on the same keyboard and then like, Gibbs, we like, can't go fast it. enough yeah we've got to have two people typing on the same keyboard because that's how that is exactly how computers work yeah no um I don't know anything about computers they're generally mysterious witchcraft to me uh I'll be honest I work in IT there there is a, an element of magic yeah. within computers like the whole turn it off and back on again i have no idea what magic happens when that happens but that's why it works mm -hmm. it's just, it's sorcery mm -hmm. who knows i work in it <laughs> yeah uh, so i i have no frame of reference looking at it as an outsider it looks a lot more realistic and it feels a lot more realistic it, like they kind of explain some very big broad terms um and they uh the computer screens they show it is much more of like a just a little terminal black screen white text yep. um they type in things that look like actual code things um <laughs> there's they're also like that's interesting they're running in console i feel like actual hackers don't go pure in console because console is just the black like mm -hmm. black with white maybe it's like, a linux thing because a lot of they talk about linux a little bit maybe I don't work with Linux. Does anyone work with Linux? 
hackers hackers i guess <laughs> um let's see uh and they they do play up the social engineering uh feature of hacking which is a really interesting component to real world hacking is a lot of the time it's not you know someone tapping away at the keyboard and they write the perfect virus it's someone tapping away at the keyboard and they download a cheap virus off the dark web and then trick someone into opening the wrong link in an email right um it's more about finding your your human exploits yeah uh, and Mr. Robot plays into that occasionally in some hilarious and occasionally in some really dark ways. Um, there's a really beautiful but kind of sad scene. I say beautiful in kind of an ironic sense here, but there's a, a great scene um, about halfway through where Elliot is trying to get into a facility. Um, and there's the security guard. This is just like this kind of nice, friendly, older guy. Um, and the the way they need to bypass him is just brutal takedown based on social engineering stuff oh like they they go into his his profile and he's he's got a bunch of pictures with his cats and Uh um and elliot just rips into him he's like you're a nobody get out of my way (laughs) but the it's it's incredibly well done um that makes me sad it's it's a heart-wrenching scene uh, for actually multiple reasons um but it works really well uh and it is i think a cool point of like yeah this is actually how hacking kind of works sometimes is mm-hmm. you find the I'm human not weaknesses hacking computers i'm hacking people but nothing that lame okay. except he might he might actually say that at some point in one of his little voiceover <laughs> monologues it is a lot of him um he talks to the audience and it is sort of a fourth wall breaking sense but like he thinks you're his imaginary friend oh okay um yeah speaking of imaginary friend i gotta see the second season of happy yeah i remember you were over the moon about that show and then i never watched it yeah um let's see uh yeah it's it's really compelling visually the show just like the the way it's edited and the um the way things look uh it's it's well done the cinematography is really good there yeah when you uh, say compelling visually i assume it's the way things look I'm sorry, I had that to. was that was fair. That was fair. I probably deserved that. <laughs> um, it's just it's I really say that as if I don't do that shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Just for a nice specific example, um, there is a just a simple uh, back and forth shot, reverse shot uh, dialogue between a couple of characters, and they have some history, and they're talking about uh, something with that history. Um, and you know, usually with a shot, reverse shot, shot they're like they're center frame, and maybe it's it's maybe not head on, head on, but it's maybe like you're sort of the third perspective and you're just turning side yeah, to side. They'll be looking at an angle. One's looking to your left. The other one's looking to your yeah. right. Yeah. And they do that. They, and the, the, oh wait, I want to guess. Okay. Does it flip which way they're facing in the middle of the scene because the dynamic of the conversation has changed? Not even slightly. Ah, damn it. Wrong guess. I love that trope. <laughs> I love it so much when that, have you ever seen that happen in a movie? Uh, I cannot consciously think of examples of it happening, but I can sort of play out that in my head and be like, yeah, yeah that's something I've probably seen before. There's like a psychological thing of like the person who's facing a certain way has the upper hand and then mm-hmm. like you can see in the conversation that it switches mm-hmm. and like it literally is just like it it looks weird for one shot, but then it mm-hmm. goes back to the back and forth, but it's just like a, anyway, sorry. I love, yeah. I love when that happens. Um, what they do in this one is they, they basically set the cameras like the third perspective that's flipping back and forth, but instead of centering it, they create a huge amount of negative space and put the, the subject right in the corner of the screen. Ooh. Um, and it gives a sense of like the, the conversation's kind of a heavy one and there's a lot of like, this is why there's so much darkness in my soul, Elliot. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> kind of thing. And it, it, it makes the characters feel small. Yeah. And it's a really isolating but really effective um, thing there. Cinematography is something that, like, I just... It's... it's so I, I've talked a lot about just the way I consume media is I mm-hmm. want there to be so much meaning behind everything. Right. And cinematography is one of those things that just, like, I'm new to it, but I know that that's... That is fascinating to me. Yeah. And I could never... I I would never be able to actually like be a cinematographer, mm-hmm. and the scale of like, frick, what's his name, the 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 cinematographer Roger Deakins. Thank you, that him, like that <laughs> that shit, like yeah. I I just love good cinematography. I mm-hmm. want I want to watch a movie that is like known for its cinematography, probably a Roger Deakins movie with Andy, and have him like walk me through like all of the like things they're doing mm-hmm. and how they work i love the youtube videos that just break down how that stuff kind of works yeah i eat it up i love it there's some really good cinefix stuff out there there's a great one about a shot reverse shot from no country for old men mm. which did you see that i can't remember not yet okay and it's high on the list yeah at some point we'll find a good excuse to get you through that one yeah. but um yeah uh, mr robot season one it uh wraps up in a satisfying way throws some twists and turns your way but also um kind of pays off its story arc and leaves a lot of ground for moving forward into season two um i'll talk more about season two when i get done with it um but it is kind of they they sort of it is very different in terms of like the story and stuff and where the characters are at but it does kind of feel like it's hitting a lot of the same ideas from season one but we'll see how that that actually turns out at the end yeah because I think I remember how everything sort of wraps up in season two. But also, I think that part of what I think happens in season two might be a Tumblr post about a dream someone had once. So <laughs> <laughs> that is the most 2021 thing. I, I, I don't know. I just feel like that's a that's a that's a late 2010s, yeah. early 2020s. Hiccups are happening. Alcohol has made it to my diaphragm so that's i that's uh i almost said i robot not at all mr robot season three is where it crosses over and will smith comes in <laughs> and he's like yo i'm from the future there's these robots we gotta shoot them gotta shoot them real good yeah and shoot them shoot the ones that aren't actually doing anything to root out the one that is yep. that's the only scene of that movie i've made that joke twice now uh lord <laughs> of the rings where are you uh i have not made much progress okay. i read the I was- council of Elrond. okay um, and then I got sidetracked by reading a different book. How do you do that? Uh, my dad said, hey, you might like this book. And I said, hey, I might like that book. And that book looks like something I should read soon. How do you? Oh, I can't. I'm still so new to reading. I'll point I... out. I'll point out. It helps that I've read Lord of the Rings probably a dozen That's times true. in my life. That so is it is point. something I can just yeah. set aside for six months and pick back up and mm. be like, okay, I know exactly where I am. I know exactly where you are. Yep. Uh, all right. Anything else besides the obvious one? Yeah. I watched No Time to Die finally. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It took me a second <laughs> to realize what movie that was. What'd you think? Um. Do you remember what I said about it? Remind me what you said about it. I don't remember. I was hoping you would. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, I think you said you liked it, but it wasn't spectacular. It's kind of just a fine action movie. Yeah. Um, I, that sounds like that. I, that I feel that. So okay. Yes, I probably said that. that. That sounds sounds reasonable. I was convinced by it. Okay. Let me explain what I, I mean. I, I th- 
I think I know exactly what you mean, but I'm going to let you explain. I'm going to explain for them, explain for the audience here. On paper, this movie is a disaster. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, it relies on far too many plot details from five year old movies and 10 year old and 15 year old movies that other people haven't seen or don't remember. Kalen hasn't seen a single James Bond movie. And I remembered when we sat down in the theater that this movie is supposed to capitalize on the past movies. Mm -hmm. So, like, I quickly found, like, a comic book resources listicle of (laughs) who are the people that are in this movie and let her read through it. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure she had a better understanding than I did because I hadn't seen uh, the second one. Quantum of Solace? Quantum of Solace. I hadn't seen that one, so I didn't That one doesn't really come back in that one. Okay. I also don't Mostly. really remember names. Anyway, continues. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, uh, it relies a lot on inbuilt mythology, most much of which is kind of on a shaky foundation. Like yeah. the the Madeline Swan James Bond relationship that started in Spectre, they have no chemistry in that movie, and it's really awkward. Um, they Blofeld just kind of shows up in Spectre, and it's like, "Hi, I'm Blofeld. Aren't you scared of me?" <laughs> <laughs> You're like as someone who's seen a bunch of james bond movies you're like yeah i'm scared of you but but people who haven't seen those movies are just like who are you where's mads mickelson bring him back yeah let me uh let me look at the old uh daniel craig getting balls (laughs) (laughs) um let's see uh it has it's a really long movie it's like pushing three hours um and you kind of feel it yeah um the plot is a mess the villain is just completely incomprehensible yeah um it is emotionally manipulative and aren't every piece of good art emotionally manipulative yeah but this is the point of art to manipulate your emotions no it's to appeal to the transcendent and all in human nature but um uh we're just gonna leave that one there yes we are uh (laughs) (laughs) but um uh where was i going let's see uh it's so uh, yeah like movies are supposed to play on your emotions but this one is very much like this is not going to work unless we can make the the audience emotional um and it's it's just so plain as day how they're setting it up and what they're doing with it the the plot device is incredibly dumb yeah and yet it works yep as a movie it pulls together it makes you feel what you're supposed to feel and you're invested in the stories you're going along it probably helps that i'm i'm not like a diehard james bond fan i haven't seen all the movies but i've seen many of them and i enjoy many of them Mm -hmm. um and there are some fun little things in it for james bond fans um some callbacks the score relies on actually some callbacks to some of the original scores which is really cool um it's hans zimmer yeah, and he's really good at repackaging. And um, where would you put this in comparison to the rest of his soundtracks? Uh, uh, maybe bottom, bottom third. third. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I I think I divide things into thirds a lot. You do, and I know exactly. Like, I, I have I have pinpointed exactly how you feel about so many things that I can. Yeah, it's not bad. It's We've probably been doing this for five years. Four years. Four four years. Nearly five years. Nearly five years. Almost, yeah, almost five years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know each other so well with, like, content at this point. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's unspectacular um, on average, but it does, it does use some of the James Bond elements, some of the classic ones and some of the less 
obvious ones. Yeah. But also, um, let's see. Are we about to have a no. singing thing? No. It uses, uh, so in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is the one that Lazenby is the actor and Diana Rigg is the Bond girl. Mm. And he actually gets married to her. And then, spoiler alert for a 60 year old movie, she gets shot at the end and dies. <gasps> Next, you're going to tell me that Vader is Luke's dad, and I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> um, in that one, they have kind of a little love theme in the score, and that is repurposed for Bond and Swan. Oh. Yeah, sort of reimagined. Um, there's an action cue that is used in some of... Not cue as in cue the character, but right. cue as in like... I always forget the, the cue the character. Um, it's used in some of the early Bond scores, um, the Connery ones mostly, and that is repackaged for some of the early action scenes in the movie. Okay. Um, I'm so glad you pick up on these things. Yeah. Did you, like, actually, like, during the movie recognize? Yeah. God, that, how do you do that? Uh, I'm good at listening to music. That's fair enough. I've also actually been practicing listening a lot because I've been reading this book about Sibelius's symphonies with my parents um, and talking about them and listening to them kind of in depth. And I feel like you've talked about that. I have far too much. It's, it's, it's a very interesting part of my life right now. It is. <laughs> <laughs> At least for me, a lot of other people probably think it's really boring. I actively fell asleep the moment you said Sibelius. Fourth symphony is super exciting. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> no one likes it. It's weird, but it's good. It's good. Um, James Bond. James Bond. Uh, yeah. No, like I, I liked it. I didn't love it. It is probably a solid seven for me. Yeah. Um, but I think it did everything it needed to do. And I think given what they'd set themselves up for, they had four movies that were kind of by the end of them tying themselves together into one big long trajectory that the component parts are a mess when you mush them together like individually there's two and a half great movies in there they decided to make it a coherent thing about halfway through making specter it's about what i was expecting the answer to be yeah um and so they set themselves up for failure they could have reset and just done a little standalone bond mission and it was skyfall then specter right yeah yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't a last se- last second decision. Yeah. Um. In fairness, Quantum of Solace does directly follow from Casino Royale. Um, it's like a direct sequel. It picks up mere moments after Casino Royale ends. Oh, okay. Um. No one told the costuming department he's wearing a slightly different suit. Oh no. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, I. I fi- there are people the, who know this professionally. Okay, because I was like, I'm in a community, like in an internet community that would I would have seen that joke, mm-hmm. but I haven't. Nick Mason made that joke. Oh, Nick Mason, internet celebrity Nick Mason. Indeed. Oh, wow. Yeah, made it to me in person. I got on his tram <laughs> <laughs> or this bus or whatever he drives. An incredibly niche <laughs> joke that no one is going to understand even if we get popular no one's going to understand this joke i mean if we get as popular as they are then there's going to be some overlap oh for sure yeah that's true yeah moving on hi nick we're big fans of yours uh i was a big fan and then i just yeah i don't think i've actually sat and listened in a while got so busy with those i am curious to see what they think about dune but yeah um anyway 
Uh, yeah, no, it, I think it does. It, given what they had to culminate, it's as good a culmination as we were going to get and as satisfying one as we were going to get. They had to wrap up that whole universe and kind of give themselves a clean slate to work with. Yeah. And they do. Man, you said culminate. And now I immediately regretted not watching the entire Daniel Craig run before this. Because I probably would have liked it a lot more. Maybe. because I'm a sucker for culminations, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you, you give me a shitty movie, but if it's a culmination and I know what it's what it's culminating, I'm mm-hmm. culminating all over it. Yeah. Mm. That was, that was <laughs> that uncomfy was right there. the natural progression of that statement, and I still didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was the natural culmination. (laughs) (laughs) I win. We've been friends for far too long. Yep. Uh, You're right about Ana de Armas. Everyone's right about Ana de Armas. She's the best part of that movie. She's in it for five minutes. If she were in it for more than five minutes, she would have taken over the thing. Yes. You know, being adorable and kicking butt in that slinky dress. Yeah. I loved loved those five minutes. (laughs) Yeah. So good. Do we know if she... any idea of like what she's working on next? What's she gonna be in? Uh, I'm sure it's on IMDb, but I I'm sure it is on IMDb. Don't care to look it up right now. Uh, she's got some project where she's gonna be the lead, but I don't remember what it is. Uh, Knives TV Out show. Two? No. Oh, that's right. It's completely different, isn't it? Yeah, just Daniel Craig's back yep. for that. We might get a cameo or something, mm-hmm. but um, should we? Spoiler talk that movie a little bit. No time to die. No time to die. Yeah. You got stuff to say? Yeah, I think then so. Yeah. All right. I we'll sp- don't remember it enough to. It has not stuck with me that much. Okay. So. Well, we're gonna I'll let you drive this. We're gonna we're gonna spoiler talk. No time to die. Spoiler talk. No time to die. Um, might actually be one worth dodging spoilers on a little bit if you haven't seen it and are interested in seeing it. Is it? Yes. I mean, the last five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. But. That's kind of what I want to talk about. Oh, okay. Let's talk about that then. Uh, yeah. If you, this is actually, yeah, this is something to avoid spoilers. If you have any interest in watching it, uh, giving you a little bit more time to run across the room or get your uh, Spotify that's connected to your PS4, but it's on your phone too, to get it to pause. I've been having that struggle. Give mm. it a little bit more time. Yep. Internet's weird. Yep. All right. Now spoiling it. Time to, time to, time to pause your thing, but no time to die. No time to die. He's dead. <laughs> He's dead. He is wow. dead dead. What a decision. They have never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was probably the right call because they needed that kind of emotional payoff. Yeah. Um, And I, it kind of feels like there's an argument they were making a meta point there about like he, the, because of stupid plot device reasons is forever isolated and can't yeah. love. And it's and time what to is James Bond, if not a womanizer. That was not where I was going with that, but also <laughs> fair. Um, no, but like maybe it's time to destroy that version of him. We've had 25 movies and now we can try something different. And you know, you notice that they did go through the movie and very symbolically kill off some of the important pieces of the mythology. You don't notice because you haven't seen any I, James Bond yeah. movies. Um, they killed off Blofeld. I know that. They killed off Blofeld and the entirety of Spectre. Yep. Um, they killed off Felix Leiter, which is actually a way more important thing than it looks like. Who's Felix Leiter? Uh, Jeffrey Wright's character, the CIA guy with the beard that drowned, got shot and then drowned on the boat. The Watcher. Got it. <laughs> oh my God. That, that took, took so long. That took way longer that. than it should have. Um, 
Yeah, no, he Felix Leiter is a character that has been in most, if not all, of the James Bond movies. Oh wow! Yeah, wow! Like he's up there with Q and, Q M, and M as yeah. the series mainstays. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, has he been in the he, Daniel Craig ones? He's been in at least two or three of them. He's in Casino Royale, reasonably prominently. Uh, he's in Quantum of Solace, at least reasonably. Oh, I prominent. remember him in Casino Royale. I don't think he shows up in Skyfall at all. He might show up in Spectre, but I don't remember that movie. Don't care to remember that movie. Um, and so I realized well before the end that they were going to kill James Bond because I read a couple of headlines that are like, it's the most emotional James Bond yet. And I was like, death time. They, they wouldn't, <laughs> but maybe they would. And then they made Felix Leiter a likable character. In the previous iterations of the Craig Bonds, when he's shown up, he's been basically just a growly little blank slate. Hmm. He's got a low monotone voice and he does something useful for James Bond and then slinks off off screen and disappears forever. He disappears forever to go uh, be the detective for uh, Batman. Precisely. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I love making these stupid niche jokes. That was bad. It was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in this one, he's got personality and he's friendly and he's interesting and he's engaging. And I'm like, oh, they're setting him up to die, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they killed him off. And I was like, OK, they mean business. James Bond's going down at the end of this. <laughs> and then at that point, once you once you figure out like that, the nanobots are the thing, you're like, OK, so something's going to happen with yeah. that. He's going to be programmed to kill someone or something's going to happen with that. Yeah, you can kind of put it together. Uh, didn't make it any less convincing. Yeah. I felt like it rationally it's stupid but emotionally it worked yeah um but yeah no they're really just wiping the slate of this universe and ready to go on to the next one and i'm kind of intrigued to see what they do yeah um do you think they would actually bring in lashana lynch as the next lead of the series don't we have a confirmed spin-off series with her i think i told you that but i think that isn't actually a thing i was doing a little googling before the show here google yeah see what it says uh, i mean i'll I'll keep looking at stuff here um yeah there's nothing confirmed um but the actress has said that she would love to come back and do the role again um and i think it'd be really cool even if just to get back into that universe like it's probably not a bad spot for a spin-off show you can yeah dude tackle some different themes you could bring ana de armas back Uh, please uh like (laughs) 007 is a title like it's it's a thing that's been known and Mm -hmm. there's been the theory that like all it's the same universe but and like Mm -hmm. james bond is like just the code like Mm -hmm. the cryptonym that is i learned this from lacare the cryptonym is like a is the fake name they Mm -hmm. use and it's specifically for spy stuff james bond is the cryptonym 007 is the like code name Mm -hmm. thing uh i've seen that theory and i like that theory yeah theory went to shit when they redid specter and blofeld and like actually like yeah redid characters um cowards cowards <laughs> uh so i would love to see that i'd love to see mm-hmm. her just like be the next 007 they made her 007 mm-hmm. like it's obvious that that is the next natural progression is that mm-hmm. she does it yeah, um, they've still got a lot of the useful building blocks in the universe, especially now that they've got Spectre off the table and they've got Lighter off the table. They can continue in the same vein while stepping away from the pure Bond mythology. Yeah. 
which is useful. Yeah. And that gives them also the chance they could do that as a continuation and then do something like a period piece kind of bond, which would be cool. Yeah. You know, get back to his 60s roots with the little exploding watches and stuff instead of smart blood and nanobots. Weirdly enough, that is exactly what I said to uh, Kaylin and her grandpa as we were walking to the car after the things. Like, that'd be kind of cool if we got... Mm Mm-hmm. 60s like 50s 60s james bond period piece like we're yeah. far enough back that or far enough from that that mm-hmm. we can do that yeah and that'd be super cool yeah that way audiences don't have to be deprived of their james bond but people that feel the franchise can step into new we can have our cake and eat it too yeah i'm for it and i think that's a reasonable plan yeah we'll see what they do see what they do they have said at this point it's now belongs to amazon so you know they're gonna beat the out of this horse they're gonna do something (laughs) disastrous with it i'm sure but um yeah no the producers have said that they're not even going to think about the future until next year just they want to this is the end of craig bond and this is kind of a a culmination of particular moment in the franchise Culminations. and we'll just leave it there see where it goes all right ending spoilers for no time to die yeah put that old good old time stamp there gage yep anything else my turn your turn. My turn. Uh, I've been playing video games again. You dork. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, I finally, like, just, I don't know what it was, but, like, just a switch changed in my head where I was like, oh, I can, like, get back to playing my PS4. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I decided to do is there was a, period of time where i bought a lot of games mm-hmm. around the same time started them and never finished them okay if you go back to i'm pretty sure it's maybe double digits of episodes mm-hmm. nah not that far back uh i started playing far cry 5 then i started I that was playing... like 100 episodes ago to be honest huh i thought that was like 100 episodes ago to be honest that'd be pretty close to double digits 100 episodes ago would be 105. Oh, that's okay. I misunderstood what you meant by double digits. Oh, I meant like, I I thought you meant like double digits ago. Oh, like 10 to 12 ago. Double digits of episode. Yeah. Okay. That Uh, makes more sense. So Far Cry 5. And then I stopped playing that to play Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Assassin's Creed Valhalla came out and I stopped playing Red Dead to play Assassin's Creed. Mm hmm. And then I just continued playing other games. Um, so I've made it my goal to go back and finish Far Cry 5. Okay. And Red Dead. Mm-hmm. And then go back and I play. I pay for PlayStation Network Plus, which basically gives me like three free games a month. And okay. go through like play some of those. I've got Jedi Fallen or, uh, yeah, Jedi Fallen Order, mm-hmm. which is that I've Star Wars good, game. I've heard good things. I have that. I never touched it, so I want to play that. Mm-hmm. I've got all the Borderland games, which are open world games. Like mm-hmm. I have so many games that are right up my alley that I have not finished or played at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I want to, I want to do that. Yeah. So I started with Far Cry Five, beat it two days ago, so cool. I can talk about it. Yeah. Uh, what's it about? It is so Far Cry is a open world game, first person shooter, mm-hmm. uh, where you for the most part, need to basically just topple some tyrannical leader of a group. Okay. And it varies. Uh, mm-hmm. So Far Cry 3 is, it's a uh, dude that, I actually don't 
particularly remember. Um, this guy that basically controls an island. You and your friends mm-hmm. at the beginning are like on vacation in. I want to think Cuba or like somewhere around there. Sure. Um, you're on vacation. You're in an airplane, and the airplane gets like blown out of the sky, and you all like fall down, and you're in this like. This island is controlled by this like maniac that's the drug lord kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's so a former like... former chemical wep- uh, chemical facility off the coast of Japan, and there's missile silos and a poison garden. What are you referencing? Boy, you really didn't remember that movie, did you? It's no time to die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, d- uh, so you, um, that game, Far Cry Three was the first game that like introduced so the wasn't the main big bad evil guy mm-hmm. as D players will know it uh it was like kind of your main antagonist though like mm-hmm. the one that you're against the most and he's such a thrilling character his name is Vaz, and he's like it's just the voice acting is fantastic just mm-hmm. like the interactions between you and him throughout the entire game are just like he's like just like the perfect level insane of insane mm-hmm. uh and so Far Cry from that game became known as like fantastic villains. Okay. Uh and they followed up really well with Far Cry 4, mm-hmm. uh which is Pagan Min that is in uh Karat, which is a I think a fake country, not confident on that. Mm-hmm. It's basically India, uh in the Himalayas. Uh and Pagan has a is the ruler of it. Mm-hmm. Um and you got to take him down. There's cool. a whole family thing, and he is just I, he played by Troy Baker, who you may recognize the name. I've heard the name. He's one of like it's like Troy Baker, Nolan North, are like the two like top tier voice actors that are like those everywhere. are the two you always mention. Yeah, uh, it's because it's one that a lot of people recognize. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastically fun villain. Good, good. Far Cry Five. Actually, I want to jump ahead uh, real quick. Far Cry 6, which just came out, has uh, Giancarlo Espinito as the villain. I saw the trailers and I was like, hey, I know him. I'm so excited to play that game. I have not bought it yet. Uh, Far Cry 5 is... Pause. Far Cry is is made by Ubisoft, which is a French company. They they have mm-hmm. they're, like they're a French developer. They're Quebec, Montreal, mm-hmm. uh, Canadian French. Um, and this was like their time to really shit on America. <laughs> <laughs> it's set in Montana. Cool. In Hope, uh, uh, Hope Valley, Hope, not Hope Springs. Good. That's a different thing. Uh, Hope something. Um. And it is a town that is completely controlled by a Christian extremist cult. Fun. So they were like, what makes America? This'll do. (laughs) Great. And so it's, uh, the leader is Joseph Seed. He is the, yeah. Yeah, Joseph Seed. Uh, he's got three siblings that are like in mm-hmm. every game. There's like kind of three or four of the min, like the main lieutenant sure. you gotta kill, and then then you get the big guy. Mini bosses, mini bosses, exactly. And so uh, it's hyper Christian. Uh, they kind of control people with drugs, mm-hmm. and uh, so I don't remember 
with this one, I didn't want to replay the like most of the game. I'd gotten pretty far in it, mm-hmm. so I just continued the mission. Uh, I don't remember pretty much anything about the first guy. Cool. The second person was his sister, who used Bliss, which is a drug to like a hallucinogen drug to control people, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting. Um, the third guy, Jacob, was actually phenomenally interesting okay. to play. I'm going to spoil Far Cry 5. <gasps> I don't think anybody who is going to play Far Cry 5 has not already finished Far Cry 5 because it is, it's one of the lower tier of the Far Cry games. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, what he does is like, so every time you get to a, a threshold within the region of that mm-hmm. mini boss, uh, you get like a, a story progression mission mm-hmm. with the person. And so what he does is he basically like, he, you pass out and then you wake up in this compound and you're all like drugged and you go and do this like um like you kind of go through this little pathway of a building and you kill a bunch of people and then you wake up back where you were Mm -hmm. and then you do it again there's a little you go a little bit further into the thing and you have like a time limit then you wake up where you were and then do it again you go through and you do the same (laughs) thing and by the third one he has established that he what he's doing is conditioning you and like he's and he has a little like clock that you kind of black out and then do this thing and so it's like and he actually like talks to you on the radio while you're ruining his operations Mm -hmm. uh and he's basically like it's fascinating how you can condition people to do things it's like a psycho psychological thing Mm -hmm. and then the last one you do the whole thing and then you get to the end of it and you like shoot the last enemy and then like you realize that it's like the ally that you've been with the entire time and he's been and i like i clicked at that last moment <laughs> that like the room you've been doing the whole time unless you've been paying really close attention has been the base of operations of your ally the whole time oh. and it's like I, it was like right at the end i was like oh shit that was brilliant <laughs> like i actually said that out loud and it was like it was like actually it. really exciting for that to happen yeah because it doesn't happen that often with video games and mm-hmm. i'm like i'm actually blown away with like that specific thing the game for the most part has been a relative disappointment mm-hmm. but like that moment specifically was like that was good writing that cool. was really interesting how they did that um and so that's kind of the story thing mm-hmm. uh the re- the reason it's been disappointment, I'll try to break this down to somebody who doesn't play video games. Uh, <laughs> you press the buttons and the things don't go quite how you want them. Well, it's not, it wasn't like, like mechanically it's fine. Like okay. you, you shoot people, you, it's actually a little bit better than others. Like you shoot a guy in the head, regardless of what gun he's dead. Like it's, and which how guns makes work. sense. Yeah. Um, sometimes they don't do that. <laughs> um, what bothers me about this game is so it's an open world game and what that basically means is that there are story missions that progress the story and then there are Mm -hmm. side missions that you just kind of do and they give you experience points or Mm -hmm. money or some other stuff um for the most part the story gets progressed when you do the story missions Mm -hmm. and so my typical technique is with open worlds it's usually like an area opens and what i will do is go through and do all of the side missions of that area all mm-hmm. the collectibles everything clear out that area and then do the story missions because i will get to the last story mission of that area and then it'll bring you to the next area right and i want to go to that next area it's a new exciting area to go explore yeah and so i'll do that but the way that far cry 5 runs is that every mission 
gives you uh, resistance points, a, a, a number of points that build up mm-hmm. to where those thresholds are that you do those like big story missions with the mini boss. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the story missions, it's the side missions, it's the collectibles, it's killing certain people. I went through an entire section without touching one of the story missions. I did only side missions and only collectibles and only like little encounters. Mm -hmm. And that gave me enough of these resistance points to move on. And I didn't like that because it didn't let me control the pace of the story, Mm -hmm. which I like to do. Right. Like I want to, I want to play the whole game, Mm -hmm. but it's, like, but I know that my personality is to when I'm given the next area, I want to go explore that next area. And so I nat- I, I explicitly restrict myself on that progression. Yeah. And it doesn't let me do that. And it was really annoying when, like, I... And especially... So I, I, I kind of... Those points only affect that region. And mm-hmm. so when you get to the next region, you can go back to the previous region... And do the stuff, but those points just, they give you extra money, mm-hmm. but like they don't affect the story of the of the region, the new region you've been. Okay. So like I went to the third region, there's only three, and I went back and I did all of the stuff of the other two regions, cleaned those out. But then that new region, like it brought me finishing the story and then finishing the story all the way to the end. And the end of the game is you literally get nuked. And you get stuck in a bunker with the main bad guy still alive. It's like a weird kind of like depressing ending. Hmm. Uh, Still relatively satisfying. Sure. um, But you're stuck there. And like, so the game doesn't continue. So I can't go back and do all the missions that I missed. Uh... And I'm like, that's really annoying. Yeah. I don't like that. That didn't let me do that. Yeah. It could have. Because the very last mission to go and get the big bad guy was only one mission and it was in a different area and I could have not done that. But as I explained, my personality is like the next thing. I right. like I it's been unlocked. I want to go see what it is. Yep. One mission, it's over. Like I and I just I was like, oh. Well, I guess I'm not gonna explore the rest of that area. Like half of it was just untouched. Mm-hmm. Um, so relatively disappointing with that. Um, the other element that was relatively disappointing is, uh, so with open world games, there are typically skill trees. Mm-hmm. You get a, you kill a bunch of people, you do a bunch of things, you get experience points to get a skill point and you can buy a thing where you can like do a new ability. Sure. And I love that kind of stuff. It's just my thing. Mm-hmm. And for the most, almost all games, it's, you gain experience by killing things, by doing missions, by right. doing stuff of the thing. Uh, with this one, it's weird because the way you get those is by doing challenges that is like kill five elk. Like go hunting. Like do mm-hmm. kill a certain number of all of the enemies. Kill a certain number of enemy or uh, sorry. Kill a certain number of all of the animals. Kill a certain number of enemies with all of the different kinds of guns. Like, just all of those things. And I don't really like needing to do those. Yeah. It's weird. Because what I'm going to... So I finished Far Cry 5 and I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm -hmm. Those have those things. But they're optional and they give you benefits for doing them. Mm -hmm. But they don't... 
don't need to do them. Right. But this one, in order to be remotely competent as a character, you have to do those. And I'm like, I don't want to kill 10 guys with a grenade launcher. That's not my weapon. I do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to spend 20 minutes, like, trying to go around and kill guys with a grenade launcher when, like, my main weapons are, like, a silenced sniper, a silenced assault rifle with burst ammo, and an arrow, a bow and arrow. Like, those are my three... I'm a stealth person. You're a stealthy boy. I don't want to just RPG shit. <laughs> <laughs> Can't and, think why not. And but... so, like, it's just that... I didn't like that. That's fair. Um, the way I know that Far Cry 6 works is it's... Uh, they've done away with skills entirely. Um, it's all, like, weapon crafting, which I am all for. Like I love it. that they do that in Dead Island, and that's a, I love that element. Mm-hmm. So that's my Far Cry Five review. Pretty disappointing when it comes to the way that a uh, open world RPG typically works, mm-hmm. because it kind of restricts you a lot more than expected. Yeah. Um. Although doing some relatively innovative, I've said it relatively so many times, doing some pretty innovative stuff with open world like things, mm-hmm. uh, they're that's kind of new cool some things but uh yeah yeah i now know why it's one of the lower rated (laughs) far cries um but yeah no uh so i finished that been playing red dead 2 cool uh not very far into it but i have been i mentioned it last time i've been watching and listening to critical role Mm -hmm. a lot again uh and i have spent hours Just listening to Critical Role and hunting. I'm just crouching. I see a, f- uh, a three star, which is the best star deer. And I'm just, I'm, I get them. I go and skin them. Throw the carcass on my back. Take the, the perfect pelt. Go and sell the pelt. Go and put the carcass at the at the camp for uh, provisions and food. Go back to it. Like, I just, <laughs> I have spent far too much time just existing in the world and that's something that i actually kind of mentioned to kaylin uh she got home and i was getting irritated in mission with far cry that something i don't like when open world games like far cry where it's like it's a fast-paced mm-hmm. first person shooter go and do shit all the time right and then suddenly there's a mission of like follow this npc to go fishing and i'm like what's this no! yes <laughs> i want to go kill people that's what this game is <laughs> And then Red Dead is just such a beautifully, like, designed game. It's your default, like, default speed of travel is a a saunter. Mm-hmm. And, like, holding the, like, the run button is, like, a jog. And you have to, like, <laughs> spam X to sprint. That's the way it is for all the Rocksteady games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, like, Grand Theft Auto is the same people. Makes sense. Um, And I don't know if I would like it for Grand Theft Auto, but for Red Dead, it's just, like... The game is built slower and like, I like I, that. I don't know how to describe it. Just everything is so much more like real mm-hmm. that there are just tiny details. I think I talked about this before where like, if you're riding on a horse along with somebody else on a story mission mm-hmm. and you're like, you're riding and you're sprinting. And if you get a little too far away, suddenly the dialogue is being shouted. Like mm-hmm. they double recorded dialogue based on how far away you are from the person that's really cool uh, and, it's, and it's similar to uh spider-man that uh the ps4 spider-man mm-hmm. thing where if you're swinging 
and you're talking on the phone, he's shouting and like out of breath. But if you're walking, he's talking. And like, Mm -hmm. I love that. And there's one where like, so if you want to rob people or Mm -hmm. something, because you can do whatever you want in this game, it's crazy. Uh, You want to put on your bandana, like over your face. Sure. So that you don't know who it is. And I was like, I didn't realize it was on. And I was walking through and I walked past the sheriff's thing. And he's like, hey, take that mask off. Like, you just kind of (laughs) shouted at me. And I was like, oh, shit. And so, like, I went and took it off. And when I when I hit the button to take it off, he was like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize it was on or something like that. Like, they're just tiny little dialogues. That's so cool. It feel real. And, like, the hunting is just, like, it's it all makes sense. And, like, there's crafting. And, like, it's just the fishing makes sense. It's, like, and all the characters are so you. So you're part of this, like, small little gang that's basically on the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, outlaw gang mm-hmm. uh, from, like, the 1860s. Uh, and every single person is, just has their own very clear personality and Mm -hmm. like you see them interact in a way and like you don't have to see them interact and you don't have to interact with them all the time but you just like it's like walking through your little camp and you just hit you know r2 square to just like greet anybody you see Mm -hmm. and it's like there's things just like hey uh there was a i was walking through the town there's a guy sitting on the balcony who's just like morning stranger and I was like, all right. I just like did a greet. And he's like, morning. Like it, it there are these designed <laughs> tiny interactions with literally every single entity in the world. I love it. And it's just, it, it's so much fun to just live in that world. I don't know if the first game is like that, but it's just, I, it, Brendan thought I was relatively unimpressed with it. I've said relatively again. Brendan thought our friend Brendan thought I was unimpressed with it. I'm like, no, <laughs> I just I just live in the world and like I I could just hunt forever and never make it to chapter three. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know if it's a game you would enjoy, but like maybe you would. Sounds like it. One of the things in the few video games I've ever played, one of the things I've really liked is just kind of walking around the world and seeing what's there then it is the perfect game for you. Okay. If there is any game, I mean, Skyrim, like the Elder Scrolls kind mm-hmm. of have that, but there's still an element of like, oh, that's what's in the world, but it's like a concrete what's in this, or a, mm-hmm. a, a static what's in this world. Right. But this, like, you make decisions that will change what's in the world, and like mm-hmm. the nature is just absolutely gorgeous. The weather changes. I was like walking through, just walked through my camp and suddenly I thought my screen was getting weirdly foggy. Nah, just foggy weather. Nice. Like every other game is basically either sunny or rainy. Yeah. Like, that's it. But they, the fog. Yeah. Fog? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's absolutely glorious. I, I think if you've ever got the time, I, I just want you to just come and like, I don't know if you. Yeah, just use my mission or use my world. Just mm-hmm. wander around. It's it is such a beautiful game. Cool. So that's what I've been doing. Also, Dune. Dune. Let's get into that. Let's we're, talk oh, about Dune. We're at uh, we're at an hour at this point. Yeah. Dune. Dune. It finally duned. It finally duned. Do I have the energy to talk about Dune? I just ranted about two video games for a while. 
I didn't even mean to get into Red Dead that hard. <laughs> uh, well, let's start with some brief kind of non-spoiler thoughts, non-spoiler I guess, thoughts and then we can Dune. dig into it. Some g- g- general stuff. Which... I loved it. Okay. I, it's, uh, I knew it was going to be the scale that it is. It's mm-hmm. Denis Villeneuve. It's Hans Zimmer. I, I was like, I expected it. Mm-hmm. I got it. Yep. Uh, gorgeous. I'll let you give your thoughts before I say the next thing I wanted to do. Okay. I really liked it. I don't okay. think I loved it. Mm, um, I have some particular quibbles. Okay. Uh, the book is incredibly dense and complex and has all these interwoven layers. And the movie addresses all those layers, but it has to superficialize some of them for time. Right. And I think some of them don't entirely work. Okay. Um, that being said, it is so cool to see this world fleshed out on screen and it it feels like the world of Dune. Yeah. It's a compelling vision. It's really effectively put on screen. Um, it's a serious-minded adaptation. It would have been really easy for them to, you know, quip it up and yeah. um, lighten it up, brighten it what up. What was the thing that I said? Those are the only two Those jokes, the and they're in the first quips. 15 minutes. I called it. You called I it. I knew it. Yep. I knew Denis Villeneuve would not do that to the yeah, movie. They just needed to have something for the trailer. Yep. It would have been so easy to turn it into a dumb sci-fi action movie that's just kind of nominally set in the world, and they didn't. They, they did. Didn't. They did a serious Dune first half adaptation. Yeah. So my two big thoughts that often come up whenever I talk to people. So uh, Kalen's dad watched Dune. Okay. Kalen hasn't seen Dune. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he asked me about. It. He knew nothing about Dune going into. Okay. It. Um. So there's him having watched that, knew nothing going into it. Mm-hmm. I also have a coworker who is now reading the book, is about halfway through, uh, a little less than halfway through, hasn't made it to the point where the book, uh, okay. the movie cuts off. And both of them had the same idea, had the same thought, that it's boring. And I think they're not wrong. Because, so here's the thing, is I feel like Dune the book sets so much up for the second half of the book. Mm-hmm. There is so much like, uh, <laughs> uh, so my coworker was talking about, it's like this like magic knife or something. And like, it's like, cause it, it kind of does that. It, it, mm-hmm. it allows the lore and the mythology of the world to just let it like sit right. as it is without explaining it. Right. And so like, I understand what he's like, what his, his concerns are where he's just like, I don't know what any of this means it feels like there's too much like i'm kind of bored like the Mm -hmm. political intrigue is fascinating to him and he's just like if it was just that i would love it but it's like it's also all this other stuff and i'm like it will all and he's like this uh muadib thing they keep saying and i'm like the second half (laughs) all of it will come together like i guarantee it also i don't think muadib is said at all in the entire movie they do lisan al gabe no, they say it. Oh, no, in the no. movie. In the movie. Oh, no, you're the right. Movie. Yes. Yeah. So I was talking the about my coworker do. who's read the book. Ah, who's okay. reading the book. Okay. Uh, and then Kaelin's dad mm-hmm. uh, was like, yeah, it felt kind of boring, but he's like, I could see where they're going with it. Like, I can, mm-hmm. I can see the setup. It was kind of funny because he was like, uh, I didn't know if I wanted to see it. I, I guess I, I, I just watched it because mine as well. It's there. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm only going to really watch the second one because I've seen the first one now. Mine as well. And I'm like, thank God. Like, I don't want you to end Dune on just like the first book, the the first half. Because like, they're not wrong. The first half is just a lot of kind of like cultural and mythological setup to 
the meat of the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I remember. Okay, interesting. Because I always thought the first half was the most interesting part of the book. Um, it's more about the things are actually set in motion and the plots are happening and right. status quo is being disrupted. And then the second half is Frank Herbert did a lot of drugs and he wants to tell us about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I uh, I also only read the book once. True. <laughs> so, um, but no, so that, that was, that's an interesting observation from the two of them mm-hmm. that I feel like is that I kind of, I understand and I kind of agree with that. Like I, you, the first movie you feel like it's like, it's, let's use a volleyball analogy. Why let's the do fuck it. Not? It's the set mm-hmm. for the next movie to leave the spike. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited for the next movie. Like this was the first, like the, the, this movie was basically designed to just showcase the world. Mm hmm introduce you to slight elements about everything like the knife and it's mm-hmm. important in some way yeah if you don't know what dune is then you don't know yet but i mean obviously everyone who's read right. the book is like i know what that's <laughs> i know that yep. um and so for that reason i loved it knowing what's coming mm-hmm and I can see how people might not like it a whole lot, not knowing anything about Dune. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. So that's my first thought. Okay. Second thought, loved how it's just 20 minutes of like new scenes to just give all of the lore, like all the yeah. the, the back backdrop of the of what's Full going on. Full on exposition dump. It's because, and I, I've explained this to everybody, that Dune is so dense with unspoken and undirectly addressed Mm-hmm. background that i think that's why there is the dune curse mm-hmm. because you can't there's so much to the book that you can't put on screen right because of just the change in medium mm-hmm. the book uses its medium so i'm going to say the same word densely yeah that it's really hard to put that on the screen and so mm-hmm. like what you mentioned cutting out a lot of that like the plot threads just because some of them may not be able to translate to a movie yeah but also time also time um but also like some of them are really necessary why the hell are they getting arrakis kind of need to explain that yeah no one ever says the words in dune Mm -hmm. why that's happening (laughs) yeah and so i just kind of even though i hate exposition dumps in general i kind of appreciate and respect just you know he wrote scenes for it. Yeah. He didn't do a monologue or a Star Wars scroll. No. He wrote scenes to where you get the little bit of like the not the we fought a ducks lines. Right. But then once it gets past that book. Yeah. Almost verbatim book. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, if that's what it takes for me to get verbatim book, I'm all for it. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts? Okay. Uh, I'll jump in. My parents saw it. Um, my mom read the book when she was probably teenager um, and not since. And she really liked the movie. Okay. Um, she thought it was big and exciting and uh, very cool. Um, and my dad did not love it. Um, okay. His complaint was not that it was boring. Uh, he One of his big complaints was that... 
Um, it was, and I think this is just an inevitable criticism of a movie that's just a first half. Right. It was a lot of tension and not a lot of release, release and breakthrough yeah. and happiness. And I was like, yeah, it's that all comes in the second part. <laughs> but does it though? Well, there yeah. is some. Re- there's a lot of release yeah. in the second like, half. This one is just a lot of things go wrong for the main characters. Yeah, that's there's, true. There's no moments where they really break through and yeah. are victorious. It's things going progressively more and more wrong. Right. Um. So that was one of his big criticisms. He had a couple criticisms about things in the world not being fully explained um, or not making as much sense as they should, which I think were valid. I think there was yeah. some stuff where book readers were going to be in an advantage. Yep. Um. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I, and that's where I kind of understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, one of uh, Kalen's dad's uh, issues was like the worms. How do they move? And what his what uh, kind of what was going? Because he said it to me, and it made sense to me that mm-hmm. if their mouths were open and the sand is going into their body, how does it get out? Mm-hmm. Um, Gills, then, huh? Gills. Oh, really? Sort of. Oh, because in like the the images, there's like kind of the three triangle lips. I feel mm-hmm. that like I feel like those close into a cone, so that when they're like going through the sand, they're not actually like opening their mouth. I don't really remember. There's okay. a whole thing on worm physiology and the life cycle thereof oh, okay. in the appendices. Well, because the other thing he was like, "How do they move through?" And uh, I, I mean, I looked it up, and uh, I can't remember his name at all. He's a YouTube guy that's got a black backdrop and he kind of draws in colored marker in front of him you ever seen that guy on youtube he kind of explains nerd stuff oh i like him a lot uh he does like he puts applies science to okay nerdy shit um and so science nerdy in and of itself yes put science into science fiction he he, he's he puts the science into the science fiction okay how would lightsabers theoretically work how would thor's hammer theoretically work that kind of stuff um and so it was uh it was interesting because i that's where i learned that um you ever had uh a, a bowl of a bunch of discrete items smaller discrete items mm-hmm. that like if you like put your hand on it it would kind of act like a solid object but if you shook it a whole bunch your mm-hmm. hand would kind of sink in mm-hmm. so the worms create those vibrations to essentially turn the sand into a liquid and can kind of go through it okay and that's where i like learned that i was like oh that's actually really cool explain that to him and he's like oh yeah all that, right that makes that, sense that's why they rumble um but anyway uh yeah no i understand that like that there's a lot of just Ah, they say these things, and this is the way that they are, culture. Yep. And you're like, what? Yeah. He also complained that it was hard to hear. Um, I I disagree. Did they see it in IMAX? No, I think they saw it just on HBO Max. Uh, say, which might uh, be part of the problem. That's true, yeah. <laughs> was it muted? <laughs> <laughs> no, but in, in fairness, there were some moments where I felt like I was struggling to catch the dialogue. Um, there's a lot of whispers and um, shouted shouted stuff over machinery. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that dialogue is, Kwisat Tadarach, Lisan Al-Gaib. And just things that it's a little oh. hard to pick out. Yeah, well, like when it's like stuff like that, that I can tell that it's not English, I'm just like, ah, ambiguous foreign language. Cool. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. But like, I, I feel like I could hear for the most part. Everything. Yeah. But also, I, we were in IMAX. That's true. Yeah. Um. 
Although in Tenet, I felt like I couldn't hear even in IMAX. Well, Tenet was particularly bad. Like yeah. that, that was one of the biggest backlashes for Tenet. Yep. Um, which rewatching it, rewatching Tenet and kind of knowing what I needed to know, it was fine. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Dune is probably, it's not, I'm not going to say it's inaccessible for non-book readers, but there's some hurdles. Yeah. Um, if you want to see a gorgeous sci-fi movie in a very interesting world, uh, with some good acting and some good music and stuff like that. Watch Star Wars. I'm just kidding. Dune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dune works. Dune. Dune, Dune will work for that. And when you get the second part, it'll kind of fulfill all that promise. Yep. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that... Uh, what was one of the other things? Oh. Uh, so getting a little bit spoilery. Um, they adjusted the location of a certain scene. We talked about this when we were leaving the scene. Mm-hmm. Early in the movie, uh, there's a that one of the scenes at the end is a scene that happens later in the book, mm-hmm. uh, but they moved it, and I actually appreciated what that like that decision because the book is kind of divided into two discrete parts. Mm-hmm. It's like Paul struggling, and then Paul in kind of a new, uh, new world, mm-hmm. uh, to put it as vaguely as possible. <laughs> Uh, and there is a moment, a critical moment that is that transition between part right. A and part B. And I liked that they put that at the end of this movie. Right. Because then the next one is just like the fallout of that. This is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Um, is that what they said? That's what Chani says. Oh, okay. Um, so I really appreciated that. Uh, I wonder how much it's going to affect kind of this little middle area, mm-hmm. uh, in order of things, but, uh, no, I liked, I, I, I liked that decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Soundtrack was phenomenal. Soundtrack was good. I, I mean, I often don't notice music, but like mm-hmm. this whole time I was just like, oh, this sounds so cool. Just like, I loved it. I did not love it. Oh. Stop that. Stop not loving what I love. <laughs> um Yeah, I I liked it. Uh I thought it was generally interesting. Um there were definitely some Batman moments in it. <laughs> um I think even in the same key just the yum bum. That popped up a few times. Um but there were some very interesting ideas in it. The the way that he used voice um yes. and some more interesting sounds within of course he's also got plenty of strings and synth- synthesizers because yeah. he's Hans Zimmer that's yep. what you do if you're Hans Zimmer uh I thought that was effective in his his rationalization of this is basically an alien world it's our same species but it's yeah. an, completely alien to us in it's every other way literally 8,000 years in the future yeah uh and so the logic of that being okay what's the uniting thread it's the human voice but the instruments should sound kind of different yeah um, I thought that made a lot of sense and uh, I downloaded it, of course, because mm-hmm. that's what you do. Yep. Um, and I listened through it once, but not like a super intense listen, but I want to listen to it when I run a couple of times so I can really get it in my ears and decide how I like it because um, the Tenet soundtrack has really grown on me since I've been able to listen to it one on one. Okay. Um, yeah. Acting's really good. Casting's yeah. really good. Yep. Um, there was some concern that... Chalamet was just going to be uh, kind of a whiny 
sort of um, not whiny teenager, but sort of a overwrought, angsty. overwrought, angsty teenager. Yeah. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. Um, and I didn't get that sense at no, all. He, he felt like what he was supposed to feel like. Yep. Um, yeah, it's good. They, I mean, they did it right. Yeah, they did. I am so excited for the next one. Yep. Should we spoil it a little bit? Yeah. Or at least get more into the weeds of yeah. details. I feel like I don't have a whole lot more to say. Okay. Um, cause I was going to say one of my big criticisms is I feel like the politics stuff was really underplayed. Um, in the books, that's one of the big selling points of the first half is it's game of Thrones meets star Wars or game of Thrones in a star Wars world. Um, and in this one, they sort of pay lip service to the feudal politics and they explain some things really nominally, but to the point where I was like, this doesn't make sense. I remember this making sense in the book. I don't remember what it was in the book exactly, but I remember that like, okay, these are the logical reasons why uh, the Atreides get to take Arrakis, and these are the logical reasons why it makes sense that the Harkonnens would be able to attack them on Arrakis, but they wouldn't have been able to on Caladan, Uh. Um, and why the Sardaukar are able to come along, but the Sardaukar are in disguise, Um, and uh, Fade Rautho is entirely cut from the movie, or just maybe hasn't shown up yet. What is that? The Harkonnen nephew vladimir harkonnen's oh it's they're coming he's, he's been cast yeah yeah but he's like an important part of that whole story like the whole reason that he wants he, he wants to give fedroth the control of the valuable planet and he's got this whole scheme for doing that and Your that Baron does yeah oh. and that whole scheme is just completely omitted mm. or at least has been so far and maybe we get it in the second one um is it something that plays a bigger part in the second part of the book uh it's because that might be yeah the case because yeah. the second the second part of the book i feel like is something that if you applied it directly to the screen is gonna be like an hour yeah so there's probably a lot of stuff that he may have like shifted to the second that's, one kind of rearranged true. a little bit they can flesh out the political machinations a yeah. little bit um yeah because he's been cast like so i mm-hmm. feel like missing kind of a big part of it in the first half and then casting him in the second half. Who was it? It was a relatively big actor. I don't... I remember... I saw it yesterday. Okay. I remember him having been cast, but not recognizing the name. Uh, good thing I have Google handy at my fingertips. The Googles. Fade Rautha Dune 2021. Oh, has not been cast. What? You yeah, sure? there's speculation that it might be Barry Keoghan. Uh, Robert Pattinson would uh, be an interesting choice. Someone was saying that. What did I see? Oh, it may have been who were debating who should be. Mm-hmm. Ah, never mind. Okay, never mind. So they have not been cast. Yep. Look at me looking like a fool. As usual. Yep. Um, let's see. One of my dad's specific criticisms was that it didn't make sense that this scrawny teenager was beating all these masterful fighters in battle. Mm. Um, and which is something that is explained in the book. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I felt like it was sort of explained in the movie. Like he's been trained from birth by all these guys and he's got the. I think what's what's tough is that the 
Bene Gesserit has not been fully explained the power of what that is mm-hmm. in the movie. Wasn't it? It was explained. You get a sense of the gravity, but they don't explain everything that can like. So particularly like the the ability to read tiny body movements and understand, like read into that Mm -hmm. was not explained. And that's something that plays into the combat. Right. And so like the voice, you get a sense of that, a big sense of that when Jessica just like goes to town on those dudes, Yep. which was an orgasmic scene. That was awesome. (laughs) Um, and like you kind of get a sense of it from Jessica's interactions with the mother. What's her name? Reverend Mother. Uh, Gaius. Ga- Ga- the Reverend Mother. I think is all they referred to. Hold on, hold on, Gaia. Gaia yep. Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma. <laughs> uh, you get a sense of the galactic weight. But I don't. don't no, they they literally exposit what their role is in the in the galaxy on the on the landing pad when they're leaving. Because Paul hears it and is like, "Oh, you've raised me from birth to be a freak." Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, but they didn't explain the combat part. <laughs> no, but they explained that he's very powerful in kind of magical ways. Yeah. Um, and also, he's been trained by the best fighters in the galaxy yeah. for since birth. And I felt like that was satisfying, but um, it maybe wasn't clear enough in the combat itself, just the choreography, that he's not overpowering them. He's out-techniquing them yeah. and out-thinking them. Yeah. Um, which the action was generally, I thought, good. Yeah. Honestly, I think I still got that sense that mm-hmm. he was out techniquing them. Like, yeah, I I definitely did in the final fight. I knew what it was, but yeah, I definitely did when he was fighting Jameis. I got the sense yes. that okay, Jameis is bigger and stronger, but yeah, Paul like knows what's going on more. Yeah. Um, I really really liked the uh the jihad vision where he's he's in the tent and he sees his future and he's like, there's going to be legions. Dying oh, yeah. for my name. That was a cool scene of just them all popping out from the sand. And like, yeah, and then everybody. and then well, and then they're on Caladan and saluting, and he's up there in the with the black yeah. black suit and the blue eyes looking down. Oh, like that was exactly what that scene had to be mm-hmm. because it's supposed to feel awesome. He's yeah. the conquering hero, and then it pulls back to the tent, and he's terrified of it. Yeah, because that's kind of what the book's about at its core. Yeah, is heroes are scary. Yeah. Heroism is scary. Yep. So I'm excited to see how much they hammer home. One of my favorite things about the book was that like he is like uh, continuing on that trend of like he's afraid of what he's doing. Yeah. And I based on how they captured many of the themes in the first half, mm-hmm. I have no doubt they're going to like really hammer that one home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, Though, when I say really them really hammering it home, uh, they're just going to stay loyal to the book, which really hammers it home. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Yeah. yeah. Although a lot of that stuff is like an internal fear and not like an explicitly stated thing. So I'm wondering how they're going to handle that. Little whispered conversations with Stilgar. Probably. Yeah. A lot of that. I'm afraid that I'm getting too powerful and that I'm going to abuse my power of controlling everybody. <laughs> no, Muad'Dib. You are the leader. You must kill everybody. That's my Javier Bardem voice. All right. 
feels mildly racist, but we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I felt like the environmentalists, environmentalism aspects were a little underplayed. Yeah. Um, and that is something that is comes in more in the second half when you look at what the Fremen are and who their what their goals are. Yeah. Um, but it's something that I felt like had to have been set up a little more. Yeah. Um, like not sure exactly the, how they could have done it. The but... basin room with Jessica exploring mm-hmm. and finding that room, like I that still sticks out to me as a scene in the book. Yeah. Um, that was a little disappointing. Yeah. To miss that easy cut when you're trimming for time but yeah. still because i mean kaylin's dad kaylin's dad was a really interesting uh person to talk to about it because mm-hmm. i had to also dumb down my nerdiness fair <laughs> um but he was like where do the water come from like where where do they hold the water that they're like watering the uh, palm trees with mm-hmm. like that's in the book uh the harkonnens were a bunch of assholes and they like hoarded the water yeah. for themselves and like that's part of that um, and there's a room where like Jessica explained that, um, and he's like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of questions from the lay people about Dune that are explained in the book. Yeah, and had the movie culture allowed for four hour movies, would have been <laughs> all answered. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it would have worked better as a miniseries? Ooh, I don't know. I feel like with something like this, there is such a strong part one and part two mm-hmm. that it's kind of hard to split either of those up. Sure. And still feel the gravity of switching from part one of part and part two. Mm-hmm. And also, how the hell are you going to convince a studio to let this scale of a thing go to a miniseries? That is tough to do. Zack Snyder's Justice League? Huh? That's a that's a movie. It's considered a movie. Divided into six Seven parts, parts but sort of miniseriesized. Yeah, but it's still a movie. Right. And then that could have been the model with this. I don't know. I uh, know that the sci-fi one was mm-hmm. fine ish. Apparently. Apparently. I don't know. Yeah. I think 30 more minutes onto the runtime would have made it like would have done a lot for this movie. Yeah. Um but I don't know if it would have been a like because it is like a kind of a slow moving like a, a mm-hmm. kind of the train is going like it is yeah. picking itself up. And so you'd have to go through like two or three episodes of that. Yeah. And so few people Kalen has actively said I never want to watch a show that I have to get past more than one episode to enjoy it Mm -hmm. um and so i think that's just the struggle with dune is that Mm -hmm. it's so tough to make any given hour of it in itself exciting that's fair okay i think you've convinced me cool yeah i think it has to be a movie just because of the uh cinematography of it yeah just the cinematographic scope there there's the phrase i was looking for Yep, gotcha. that scope and scale. Mm-hmm. Gotta gotta nail that down. Yep. Um, but yeah, it would have benefited from a little more length, I think. Yeah. Um, what was it? Two forty-five. It was about two thirty. Two thirty-five, somewhere in that range. Um, yeah, it could have survived. Bump it up to like two fifty, and I think yeah. we're talking. Um, 
Eh, just wait till we get the whole Lord of the Rings two disc for each of the movies. Oh yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll, that'll be, be good. good. That'll be satisfying. Um, yeah, they did Dune. They did Dune. Dune was not a let Dune. Doing Dune. I'm excited for the rest of Dune. Yeah. Until then, shall we? We shall. Thanks everyone for listening. This was a long episode. Yeah. Uh, let us know what you thought about Dune if you've seen it um if you haven't i hope you skip the spoiler parts uh <laughs> it's okay not too much happens um that can be understood from outside content without context um but yeah uh let us know what you thought you can find us on social media on facebook on twitter at just us losers pod on uh instagram same handle at just us losers pod we have an email just us losers pod at gmail.com uh we're if you want to save me the trouble of writing a review, you can do it. Although I might actually, now that I have some time, watch you it again and write a, I might actually sit down, watch it again and write a review. Um, it might be three weeks from now. Cause I'm when this episode is coming out, this episode's coming out the day after my wedding, Yeah, which is fun. You're getting married, dude. I'm on my honeymoon. If you're listening to this, that's true. Yeah. Unless you're listening to it substantially in the future, in which case I'm still on my honeymoon. Just per- yeah, it's like a honeymoon. four year long honeymoon. It's yeah. crazy how you can afford this. It's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, Despite the fact that you just quit your job. <laughs> <laughs> One of them. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can find this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean. Um, I missed one of the iTunes. The, iTunes. That's a popular one. Apple Podcasts, technically. Apple Podcasts. Yeah, if you have an Apple, you can just get out of here. Yeah. I'm just kidding. That is a lot of people. And we don't want those people That's true. near us. Get out of here. Go. Uh, you might want to go back and check out our Dune episode that we did with uh, with your friend Matt Prelberg. Get all the better, Matt. Yeah. I, I'm the better Matt, just to be clear. He he came He's on to... the best Matt. Okay. I'll I'll let you Superlatives. <laughs> good for you. Yeah, we talked about Dune. I thought it was I think it was a really good episode. We mm-hmm. talked about a lot of interesting things. We talked about um our stories of how we came to Dune. And if you haven't heard Preston's story, it's like a genuinely beautiful story mm-hmm. of how he came to Dune and how it's changed his life. Um and learned how to read. He learned how to read. Check it out for, for more details. Yeah. Um it's episode one ninety eight, I wanna say. Yep. So take a look at that uh next week we'll talk about some news more news there'll be some news that will what's have happened, happened in this past week what's happened in this next week oh we forgot to talk about the uncharted trailer we have a trailer oh we have a clip we have a trailer we have a trailer yeah oh shit it looks... i saw the clip that it was like a uh like shot for shot from the video from uncharted mm. 4 which makes me incredibly excited for this it looks entirely Uncharted. average. Uncharted is one of those, uh, one of the movies that I need to, or one of the games that I need to mm-hmm. finish playing. And now that the trailer's out, I really got to get on that. Yep. It's got Mark Wahlberg in it. Did we know that was a thing? Hey, how's your, how's your family? How's your mother doing? She's good, Mark. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> asking. Have you seen the SNL bit? No. Ah, it's an SNL bit about him. What say, how do you, oh, is it, say how do you mother for me. That's That's the bit. Thanks, Mark. I will. Yeah. Talking to your brother? Yeah. All right. Let's get this over with. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.